recorded live. Hello, this is William Fang. And this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, December 13th, 2013. I actually like that sound of that, Friday, December 13th. Five years ago tonight, five years ago, December 13th, I was only five days out of prison after over 12 years, and and um, did my first internet radio program with Eli James, which um, I don't necessarily regret, although we definitely and deservedly have gone different ways. So tonight I thought I would um, mark that five years, tonight and tomorrow night, by taking calls. That there are um, a lot of people who, I, I don't know, I, I don't know why they, they, they make anything of me at all, and, and they, they insist on second-guessing me, um, whining in emails, talking behind my back, um, and, and a list of other things, some of them constructive and some of them quite sniveling, um, if I could put it that way. It's been a while since I've done an open forum program. I, I, I did um, an open forum format on Monday nights for, what well, a year and a half, and, and once some of the trolls and, and some of the wannabe underminers were um, kicked to the curb. Those programs got pretty boring, and I thought they ran their course. So I replaced that venue with um, Christagenia Saturdays a year and a half ago, which I thought has been much more constructive. It's a shame, I think, the open forum programs didn't last. I'm often tempted to, to... restart them, but they get trite after a while, and and, um, not everybody that thinks that they they should speak really has good ideas, and it's probably more constructive to be engaged in in, um, more academic endeavors, at least on on my part. I hope, I I, I hope I can, I, I consider my endeavors to be academic, even if the result doesn't always show it. These last um, three years, I believe, I've concentrated on making an online Bible commentary in audio and text on Christogenia, and and that's usually what this program is about. Tonight, I thought I'd take a, a digression. Christian identity, if it needs one thing, it needs a solid, biblically sound, and agenda-free Bible commentary, and, and that's my endeavor. I'm not saying I'll achieve that, but that's my endeavor. And, and Yahweh willing, I'll continue that through. Perhaps these next five years. I wrote an editorial for the Saxon Messenger. It, it's for the October Saxon Messenger. I'm running behind, as usual, and, and I wrote it... Um, 
as soon as I got home from New York in, in the last days of November, the, the Saxon Messenger, um, it, it's always going to be an endeavor. I have no plans to drop it, but, but I will. Um, I am behind, and I will reconsider my, my schedule this coming year. I, I might cut it to, to perhaps eight issues a year is what I'm thinking. I'm going to disconnect the edition numbers with the calendar because I just can't. It's well, well, sometimes I can and sometimes I can't keep up the pace with a monthly issue. I'm seven weeks behind, so it's obvious that at least right now I can't. The tolerance of evil. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Psalm 82. A thorough study of both scripture and classical history shall lead to the conclusion, and this is the, the, the foundation of Christian identity, right, which is why we're all here, shall lead to the conclusion that the white nations of what was formerly called Christendom, the white nations of Europe, have indeed descended from the ancient children of Israel, who were the only branch of the white race accepted by Yahweh God as his children. Deuteronomy 14 is a good citation for that. Since that time, all of the other white nations have been overrun and destroyed by aliens. Whether those aliens were red, yellow, brown, or black. Now, in modern times, the nations of Christendom, the remnant of the white race residing in Europe, and her colonies, the United States, Canada, Australia, of course, New Zealand, are also being overrun by aliens. The words of the 82nd Psalm were indeed fulfilled 2,000 years ago in Christ. For many days in the Temple of Jerusalem, Yahshua Christ stood in its courts and chastised the Edomite Jews, demonstrating to the remnant of the children of Israel amongst them that they were indeed wicked and that they could never be otherwise. Jerusalem, the cursed fig tree, which was never going to bear fruit again. However, because in modern times, the white children of God have once again accepted the persons of the wicked, the wicked have been able to infiltrate and corrupt Christian society as they had corrupted the society of Judea. 
and from there the society of the greater Roman Empire. Once again, in modern times, as the 82nd Psalm tells us, because we accept the persons of the wicked, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. In white nationalist circles today, those circles which may be perceived as the vanguard of a new awakening and a new white racial consciousness, we have many men who are also tempted to accept the persons of the wicked. So when the occasional Jew, Nathaniel Kapner is a perfect example, I hate people that email me his trash. When the occasional Jew professes a loathing for the deeds of his fellow Jews, they are quick to put that Jew on a pedestal, thereby legitimizing, and this is the real evil behind the acceptance of Jews like Nathaniel Katner, legitimizing the idea, the erroneous idea that there could possibly be good Jews. That is like saying that we could be that, that we could have good devils, and there can't be good devils. For Christ told us in another place that a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Eighty generations of Judaism, yeah, that's a corrupt tree. You can't accept the offspring of those people, ever. Trees being an allegory for races of men, there are indeed no good antichrists. In that same discourse, the same discourse in which Joshua Christ gave us those words, found in Matthew chapter 7, our Redeemer warned us to beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Therefore, you won't find anything good in any of the trash spewed by a kike like Nathaniel Katner. And I'm only using him as an example because certain identity Christians seem to be enamored with that filthy Jew. We must not only reject the Jews, but we must also reject the ideas which the Jews rather persistently attempt to interject into our discourse. Men don't gather grapes from thorns. Likewise, one Negro in a thousand escapes the inner city slums and is, pu is pushed through to completion through, through our corrupted educational system by the Jewish-dominated liberal society, as Adolf Hitler said, when a, when, when a Negro becomes a doctor, that's not any great feat on the part of the Negro. It only reflects the excellence of the Western educational system, that it could call a Negro a doctor. Well, well that's basically a crazy idea anyway. Just because the occasional Negro later takes a disestablishmentarian position on some topic 
or on some event which happens to resonate with white nationalist sympathies, like the Negro that talks about the Jews in 9-11, or the Negro that talks about the, the psychology of 9-11, as, an, as a recent example. The, a so-called white nationalist personality, and, and, and not only him, but some, some others who claim to be aware and, and awakened have actually um, embraced a certain filthy Negro who, who um, beast, I'll call him a beast, he is a beast, who, who wrote a book on the psychology of 9-11. And they've embraced him because he agrees with them on a 9-11 conspiracy as, as if we need a Negro to, to fortify our position uh, on the fact that, that 9-11 was an orchestrated event perpetrated by, by the state of Israel and the Jewish people or certain Jewish people. If I want to call them people, I shouldn't call them people. I'm sorry. We don't embrace those Negroes. So what? Devils know the truth and they shudder. Didn't James tell us that? That even devils know that there is one God and they, and they, they fear? Yet white nationalists, certain white nationalists, are quick to put such a Negro on a pedestal or at least give him space on their soapbox. Doing this, they convey the ideas that Negroes can also be good. And in the meantime, 99% of the other Negroes are destroying whites throughout the cities of Europe and America. If your cabin is infested with termites... then every termite must be destroyed in order to ensure the survival of your cabin. So it is within white nations. There can be no good Jews and there can be no good Negroes. And such a sympathy goes for the other non-white races as well. Otherwise, white nations cannot survive. Therefore, white nationalists who coddle non-whites are like double agents sleeping with the enemy. For while they coddle Jews and Negroes who they think to be good, the majority of both Jews and Negroes continue in their endeavor to destroy the balance of white society. Rather, white nationalists must seek, or at least white Christians, must seek to defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. The tolerance of evil, the acceptance of the persons of the wicked has always been our downfall. The first sin in the Garden of Eden, the first sin was not accepting the person of of. of, of the, the Satan who seduced Eve, but that sin was able to occur because Eve had accepted the person of the serpent. The prototypical Jew. 
And Adam then followed her lead. Accepting one Jew as good leads to the erroneous idea that other elements of that genetic cesspool may be salvageable. In spite of the words of our Redeemer, that neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit, accepting the idea that any Jew may be good enables all other Jews to destroy white society. And the same goes for Negroes and those of other non-white races. To the white nationalists, and especially to identity Christians, they shouldn't exist. We, we should treat them as non-entities. I know that when you're out there in the world, you might have to deal with them on a level of society. But while Christians have to operate, are, are basically forced to operate within this society, we're to reject the society. We're to hate the world. We're not to love the world. The author of the 133rd Psalm said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And indeed it is. But in order for whites to ever even be able to approach some sort of unity, they must first put away any notion. They must put away any notion that they could accept the wicked and the ungodly. And those categories, the wicked and the ungodly, include all of the Jews, all of the bastards, and all of the non-white races of the world. As it says in Isaiah, and as Paul quoted in 2 Corinthians, come out from among them and do not touch the unclean. They weren't unclean things he was talking about. They were unclean people. Only the children of Israel had been cleansed on the cross of Christ. Nobody else is considered clean before God. To accept elements of our enemies is to be anti-white and a traitor to one's kith and kin. I don't care if you call yourself a white nationalist. If you're doing radio programs with Negroes and Jews, you're no white nationalist. You're an anti-white nationalist. You're not even a nationalist, right? You're an anti-white. Anti-nationalist. I may, um, tomorrow night, if it doesn't come up in the conversation tonight, talk more at length, at, at length about why I ended up or how I ended up working with somebody like Eli James. And that was basically because a bunch of identity Christians didn't do their homework. And even a lot of people that second-guessed me, and even a lot of people that claimed to have warned me about this man, offered no proof. And there are people with good intentions, and there are many people with bad intentions that attempt to warn us about so-and-so or what's-his-face. 
oh, he's a Jew, or oh, he's a universalist, or he's this, or he's that, or he's an evil man, or he's an adulterer, or he's a fornicator. And they never have proof. That there are people right now that, that are sniveling behind my back who, who claim to have warned me about Eli James. Well, okay, I sat in prison for 12 years, and, and I didn't have the ability to, to, to investigate anybody. These people claim to know the truth. They claim to have known it long before it happened. Well, well why the hell didn't they publish it on a website? That, that's just one example. Too many people in, in, in Christian identity want to rail against others and can't substantiate their railing. And that's ungodly. I'm going to... Um, th this is a call-in program. I will accept calls, but I will not accept trolls. If you're dialed into to this program with a name like Hal Turner bomb, well, well, you're a troll. I'm not going to accept your call. That, that's not going to happen. And if I hear a troll or I hear somebody with an agenda call in, well, well, that's probably not going to work out too well for them. But I will accept any honest phone call from any honest caller and any honest question, well, whether or not that person agrees with me or is opposed to me. That's what this program is for. That's what my open forum was for for a year and a half. And a lot of the people that naysayed me or, or that wanted to speak out against me or that, that, that had agendas which were actually anti-biblical and anti-Christian, they ran their mouths long after. A, they're still running their mouths, right? But they wouldn't see me on my own open forum program for a year and a half. They wouldn't call me to talk to you when I ran it here for a year and a half. Too many snivelers want, want to talk behind people's backs or, or um, promote their agendas in, in surreptitious ways and, and gripe and, and, and whine. I, I don't, we, none of us need that. Those people, that they're not doing anything for us. They're not doing, they're not helping our cause. They're purposely damaging our cause. I'm going to, um, there are two callers on the line, Sword Brethren, and I believe Pastor Downey from Kentucky. Hello. Hello, Brian. How are you today? Very good, thank you. Thanks for calling. Hello, Mark. I believe this is Mark. I had a speaker on. <laughs> How you doing, uh, I, Bill? Hello. Praise Yahweh. Thank you for calling. What do we I have today? I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that we, um, well, we, we have some productive discourse. Hal Turnerbaum held, uh, hung up. I don't know what clown thought I was going to. Uh, <laughs> you scared him off. Somebody with that name. I, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm not going to um, accept the persons of the wicked, and I'm, I'm not going to allow trolls and a soapbox in, in, in my forum. It's that simple. Well, Bill, I was just calling in to uh, congratulate you for uh... – Five years, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of people um, who uh, want to express their appreciation for uh, your dedication and scholarship. And uh, you know, probably for every hour you do, you put ten hours of uh, research into your subjects, and uh, it's uh, time-consuming. 
So, uh, you know, maybe you should have a open mic show at least once every five years and uh, <laughs> let people thank you for all your good work that you do. Well, I appreciate it. it it's um, uh, it's it, it's something that um, I, I never imagined that that Christogenia would become what it's become. Uh, I, I I um, I never imagined to be having done probably eight hundred eight hundred podcasts by now. That's an estimate, but I'm sure it's a fair one. Uh, I. I didn't know what internet radio was uh, until I got out of prison and, and um, I, I had been isolated from technology for, for so long that, that I, I really didn't understand how much it grew and, and what the possibilities were, believe it or not. I, I um, had a website a month after. Christogenia.org won't be five years old until January 4th. I think once people latch on to uh, Christian identity, there's uh, a hungering, uh, a real thirst for more. Um, that's how I was anyway. I, I just couldn't get enough of it. This is before the Internet. So uh, I uh, bought a lot of books and uh, listened to cassette tapes. I'm giving my age away here. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people... Uh, uh, just can't get enough of it, and uh, good teachers are far and few between. I think that's that probably explains your exponential growth. Well, I like to think so. I mean, I, yeah, you know, I, I I like to think that what I do is worthwhile, or, or I probably probably shouldn't be doing it or, or wouldn't be. It, it's, um, I, I, I think that I, I was, I don't want to say I was impelled to do it, but, but I was certainly compelled to do it. it it's, um, as soon as I realized the, the, um, the, the value in, in the podcasts and, and the website, I, I mean, I was only hoping to start a website. I promised Clifton Emheiser and Clifton Emheiser is listening and uh, he's if he's up to it, he's more than welcome to call in. Uh, I meant to call him today, and I I just didn't have the time. I, I um, but Clifton should know that anyway. Yeah, you know, I promised Clifton Emmeheiser a website for his writing because he he really didn't have a website of his own, and I made that promise probably two years before I got out. And, and um, I, I had had websites back in 1993, right when the internet was new. Um, I, I understood the basics to, in, in order to achieve that. And, and I had clicked on a website a few months after I got out, and, and myself as well, and, and that was how Christogenia started out. I just wanted a place to post my, my essays and, and my translation. I never... Um, I think it has about 820,000 visitors. I know that globe at the bottom says 427,000, and 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 different companies count visitors different ways. I'll be publishing visitor information for Christogenia for four years because I only have four years worth of um, data of the Google data which is available to me. So so I'll be publishing that 
probably when the website's five years old in, in mid January. But but we've we've had four hundred and nine thousand unique visitors and, and oh well over eight hundred thousand visits in four years. I don't have five years worth of data. The the website didn't get a whole lot of visits its first year, maybe eighteen, nineteen thousand if I recall from my old one and one shared hosting statistics, but still that that's um well when I realized that the potential that the internet had to to, to spread our message, uh, I've devoted all my time to that. Well, so it's not too late to start accepting fifteen percent Canaanites and doing shows with the Black Hebrew Israelites. Boost those numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, yeah, you know that's the that, that's my true endeavor is never to compromise my message and and still to be effective but by getting it in front of as many of our kinsmen as, as I can, that, that's my real endeavor. I'm, I'm not bragging. I think I've been very effective, and, and that's not my doing. It, it's, um, I pray that we could continue that. That's, that's all. So that, that's, I, I plan the next five years, I pray that I could just keep doing a lot more of what I've been doing the last five. I, I've had a lot of... Um, that there's been a, a lot of strife and and in my associations and and I think that's probably a necessary growing pain that that people with agendas have fallen to the wayside that some people have gone away um, seeking better things or or seeking um, enlightenment elsewhere and some people have gone away mad and and that's the way it's supposed to be that the apostles. Had had warned us about the division that would be amongst us all throughout the, the, their epistles. So that that's the way it should be. We we should expect it. Can't we should all the people all the time. Right. You you can't. But you, you know what we should all we we may not all agree with each other about everything, but we should all be in, in agreement with the gospel and and what we can know from it. So so that that's what's important. It, it's a matter of pride. If I get mad at you for not agreeing with me 100%, well, well, I'm only getting mad at you because of my own pride. And and pride is is, is a dangerous thing. If I, if, if I separate from, from a man because he doesn't agree with the gospel of Christ, and, and like Brian said, he wants to ad- suddenly um, admit 15% Canaanites and go on programs with Negroes and, and black Muslims, well, well that, that's not a matter of pride. That's a matter of agreeing with Christ. And, and if we split with a man over disagreement in Christ, well, well then we better if we think that he's um, acting in a manner that's contrary to the gospel and the welfare of our brethren. Then we better split with them. Yeah, right, well, I hope so. You know, uh, growing pains that um, were growing in our Christian character and and uh, deportment and knowing how to act like a Christian. Um, seems like there's a a few individuals in our um, movement that, that don't even know how to act like a Christian or talk like one. I think that's a, a an important element uh, in our growing pains that uh, uh, we be more Christ-like. Well, well, that's the pitfall of the internet. 
it, it on on the one hand it, it um it gives us the ability if we can leverage it to have a voice equivalent to to a larger media company i, I mean i'm never going to have the same website rankings as cnn.com but but Christiania has the same website rankings that that a lot of bigger media companies have and 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 with with a lot of money behind them and I'm only one person with no money behind me that the um the the website that the 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 internet if you're effective it can level the playing field in a lot of ways i i mean i only reach 24,000 people a month that's a drop in a bucket that that is a drop in a bucket it's not much but it's 24,000 people a month is probably a lot more than that than um any Christian identity pastor of the past who only had a, a, a tape ministry. Yeah, you know what I mean? It it's it it's what we can even advance this further than that if we would only cooperate with each other ra- rather than um backstab backstabbing and, and sniveling and, and trying to cut each other off and and that's that that there's many reasons why men do that and and it's that they're not always good most of them are are pretty bad reasons and and that that's it we we have so many infiltrators and and we have what we're constantly besieged by false brethren and, and those people also have the same ability to set up their own websites and soapboxes on the internet and use them as platforms to to attack others. And that's yeah, it's a real cheap way of of uh, getting your own personal soapbox. I mean, it it, it beats sending out twenty four thousand letters and posting. Uh, so it, it's real cheap for anybody to uh, say whatever they want uh, on the internet, and sometimes being anonymous or unknown. And so it's kind of a mixed blessing um, that there's an increase in, in knowledge, but by the same token, there's a lot of uh, a random garbage information that goes along with that. Well, well, right, there is. And, and that's a shame. It's always going to be there, and, and we have to try to rise above it. That is, for, for every um, for, for every good article about the nature of our enemies out on the internet that there's um 50 articles that that try to obscure that good article and for every good christian identity website there's probably 10 to 20 christian identity websites that are horrible and and that well well you have all your sectarianism and then you have your universalists and 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 that that's the way it is it's Wide is the path to destruction, and and narrow is the gate to righteousness, and and that's one of our warnings too. That that's the way it is. We we, we have to strive to enter in by the straight gate. I was reviewing the um, Christian Identity Directions forum today uh, because I think you said you kind of wanted to use that as a template, and. Um, I ran across something you said, if I can quote you. Uh, 
you said before Christian identity can ever be properly understood, it has to define itself. And part of that is doing the dirty work of defining what it is not. And right. boy, is that ever true. Right. And that's all, all the things that we have to eliminate. And, and that's the, this paper I just read tonight, The Tolerance of Evil. But first, anybody who wants to ignore Yahweh God's command that the children of Israel be a separate people, if anybody wants to ignore that command and try to build bridges with people that God has rejected, well, then they're working against us and they're not working with us. And, and those people have to be identified. And anybody in the community, anybody in the Christian identity community who, who cares about our message has to join the chorus and identify those people as, as working against our interests and, and, and basically as being um, negative to our cause. And, and as Christ says, he who is not gathering with me scatters. And, right. and the challenge I put out two years ago to a lot of these Aryan nations clowns to, to, to address the universalism of, of this this, this um, man I used to work with and, 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 and had to break with, well, well, they refused to meet that challenge. That They refused. So Christian identity will never define itself unless people take the hard road, unless they walk that hard path, and, and, and it's not popular. But, you know, God doesn't want politicians. He didn't choose the, the poor and, and the meek and the humble because he wanted politicians. And furthermore, Bill, when you talk about gathering and scattering, if somebody is gathering tares, then they, they're basically scattering wheat, right? Well, if they're well, gathering I, goats, you're scattering sheep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I did a long um, discourse on that during my presentation on, on the prophet Amos, and, and um, that there's a separate article, Scatterers and Gatherers, and, and that's the whole point. And, and that's... Yeah, you know, it's 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 beyond doubt that if you're trying to gather anything but sheep to the fold, you're working against the gospel message. You're not a pastor. You're not working for it. We all want to build bridges, uh, but when we go through these uh, conflicts, uh, uh, I think most of us that are trying to be good Christians uh, uh, only burn that bridge when there's no other recourse, when when evil uh, shows itself for what it is, and and we have to burn the bridge. Well, well, that's the only way the Christian identity is going to define itself is by identifying and rejecting what it is not. And identity Christians have to. Um, but make their minds up and, and and find the backbone to to take a stand against those who who have infiltrated our ranks, embracing things that we should not embrace and, and tolerating evil. It, it's that simple. And, yeah. and they're not that they they can't imagine themselves to be leaders until they do that. It might be an understatement, but it's a matter of our love for the truth, and and we uh, 
we naturally trust somebody uh, that tacks the label pastor in front of their name. I mean, people have that natural inclination to trust them. Uh, but when they, as soon as they get caught in a lie, uh, in bearing false witness, in disturbing the truth, uh, that, raise, that should raise red flags. Uh, and uh, that's when um, we have to uh, rely on the word to, to expose um, that evil. I've heard evil defined as uh, something that's good for nothing. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's nothing good about people who are chronically and habitually lying. Uh, Absolutely. But I've certainly witnessed that in some individuals over the years. It's, it's just amazing to me that they can even call themselves Christian. Well, well, it is. It, it's absolutely pitiful. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, there are two callers on the line I would like to take, but please, guys, don't stick around if, if you can. Okay. Guest 15, hello. You know, Bill, for the last hour, you know, you have talked about, and in at previous shows before, you have discussed that you're going to take callers on, and for the first hour or so, you've had nothing but people that you've had on before on the same show. I mean, what is that kind of reasoning? How are we supposed to logically understand? Whoa, 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 slow down. You're here, right? Yeah, I'm here, finally. Finally. But uh, finally, you know, first, I've only been here about 40 minutes and and the first 15 minutes was a monologue, right? Yeah, well, a monologue, what, what the hell? We've had a monologue for the last year, right? For the last year? Yeah. I mean, every time you're on the show, you have a monologue. Program. You were supposed to have, you were supposed to have open speech. You to have it running? I have the open forum. Here it is. All right. Well, then let me talk then, okay? Well, you yeah, seem to be doing gonna... more yelling than talking, so maybe you want to... Oh, here we go. Now now we got the uh, sword bro here now that he's gonna talk now and defend you to keep you Okay, guess fifteen is a clown. <laughs> well he he said he wanted to do some talking, but as I pointed out, he seemed more interested in yelling and putting you on the spot about who knows what, you know, something he's invented. Right. I I'm gonna let guest fifteen on one more time and, and I want to hear his original question. I don't want him here. I don't want to hear him sniveling about the way I choose to run my program. I mean, people. I don't make people come here and listen to me. Right. It's that simple. Did you hear that, guest fifteen? You know, Bill. I don't like to be treated as like Al Qaeda. You know, like the Jews treat Al Qaeda. I want to hear your original point. This is my program. I'll operate it the way I choose to operate it. If you don't like it, I didn't make you come here. Well, wait a minute. You listen to me. I don't even know if you listen to me. What do you want to hear, Bill? Do you want to hear me scratch your ass? Or do you want to hear me talk to you and ask questions? That's what I want to hear. I want to hear why you called in here. I don't want to hear you bitching about how I run my program because you could just go to hell. 
Bill, I've got a hundred reasons. Pick the point, put your whining away, and let's get to your original point. Why did you call in here? I've got a hundred reasons why I called in here, but you don't want to hear one reason why I called in here. You not any reason yet, you fool. You just want to hang up on me like some communist Jew. That's what you want to do. I'm about to hang up on your dumb ass again. Do you want to listen to me or not? I've asked you ten times, why did you call in here? Yeah, and you put me on mute already. I'm going to mute your ass again, and I'm not going to open you up. I know you will because you're a damn pussy, pal. There you go. You're a friggin' idiot. You won't just get to the point and come out with your question. Well, his only point was to disrupt us, throw a wrench in the program, and waste our time. He's a time burglar. He, he wasted five minutes. He wasted five minutes whining about me, how I run my program. I, I mean, that takes a lot of nerve. I think he's a fool. He can go to hell. He, he called in here to complain about the way I run my program. <laughs> I, I, I basically unmuted him within five minutes of noticing him because I wasn't going to cut anybody off to unmute him. Eastern Pennsylvania, hello. Hey, Bill, it's Matt. Uh, Takshi would not uh, recognize my PIN number. Hello, Matt. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing quite good. I'm 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 glad I got on here uh, early enough to catch the first troll, which was obviously inevitable. Yeah, and, yeah. And right. it, if you're gonna call in here and just complain about the way I'm doing things and and try to waste five minutes and call me a pussy, well, he wouldn't call me that to my face first. Well, yeah, and that's quite obvious. And, and most of the trolls are that same way. I mean, they're just a bunch of keyboard jockeys who are looking to disrupt. And it's a darn shame because, you know, this is one of the most informative programs on the Internet. And, and it would be very simple to ask very direct questions, you know, instead of, you know, giving their, uh, uh, their time to try and disrupt. That's obvious all it was. You had a very simple question for him, and uh, he didn't have a, a very simple answer. But, well, right, so let's put that behind us. He, he's a clown. He's proven it. <laughs> well, I'm definitely glad to be here. Call in. Just don't complain about the way I do things. Just ask me your question or raise your point, and, and I'll comply, and I'll be very friendly, and, 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 and I'm an easy guy to get along with. But if you're going to call in to complain about the way I do things, well, why are you here? Why is he here listening? He should be probably off listening to Eli Games. <laughs> right, or, or uh, you know, making some posts on Nimbusters or something. Right. No doubt. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm definitely glad to be here. I'm. I'm glad that you uh, have have uh, opened the forum again. I mean, it's it has been a while. I'm sure you related that in your monologue, which which I miss. I don't have internet service here at the new house. I just have the phone. Um. So I. I uh, just figured I'd call in and see how things were going. Well, well, I mean they're going. I, I don't. I, I would. It's been an hour, and and I really, I, I really, I expected Brian to call in, and I expected um, Pastor Downey to call in, sort of. And and I would like more calls than this. I mean, I am willing to answer honest questions if you don't spend five minutes whining like a sniveling little sissy about not liking the way I do things, because then you shouldn't even be here in the first place. Uh, oh, I, get, 
if you want, I can try and track down some of your enemies and invite them to the program. <laughs> well, right. It, it's um, Christian identity has to define define itself, and and, and it's it, it if to sum it up, it it, it really can't be. Um, well, well, the the best summaries of Christian identity I've seen are forty pages, right? That's just the way it is. E. Raymond Katz's little Abrahamic Covenant book is a good summary of Christian identity. I, I point people to those things from my own papers, um, my, my own introductory papers on Christogenia. If, if you look at the Christogenia overview, the first thing I do is tell you, hey, this ain't really the place to start. Why don't you go read Bertrand Comparais, Your Heritage, or, or E. Raymond Katz's Abrahamic Covenant. And um, I don't know if better introductory papers. I mean, I know that Mark has a paper, What is Christian Identity? And, and there are a few others, but that, that and my own, and they try to sum it up in, in a few um, simple paragraphs. It's really not that easy to do with, without getting people alienated or getting them, get, you know, arguing with you in their minds. But we definitely have to, have to, um, define what we're not and, and what we don't accept. And it's it's a shame, but most men who call themselves identity pastors have refused to do that because they don't want to alienate anybody. Uh, we should be all about alienating people. Right. Well, what, well what's, what's crazy is that, you know, what most Christians fail to even recognize that the man whom we try to pattern ourselves after, which is why we call ourselves Christians, was literally murdered for what he had to say. And there isn't 99% of the people who claim to be Christians out there are, are so wishy-washy, lukewarm, and all those other words it disgusts me that they can even consider themselves Christians. Well, you know, nobody would ever want to murder them for what they say because what they say is mainstream and inoffensive. They're just lukewarm. Exactly. Our people have absolutely lost sight of what Christianity is. And and it, it's, it's quite obvious that it's the, the truth is found within 2C line Christian identity. And... And the fact that, you know, it, it does have to be defined. It has to be defined of, as to what it is and what it isn't. Or the, the simple fact that the, the truth has been so manipulated by our enemies that the people who consider themselves Christians don't even know what the truth is anymore. Because it's just so easy to... Say, oh, well, you know, let me just walk through the doors to this church, sit in here for an hour, and yeah, I can call myself a Christian and, and you know, be part of the club. Like it's, you know, like it's some fun thing. You know, I don't think, I don't think the, you know, the disciples thought that it was fun to be chased and harassed and, and stoned and, and crucified and all that other stuff. We probably wouldn't have a Christian faith if it wasn't for the martyrs of Christ. Exactly. We've lost our focus of of what it is to be a man. Well, well, yeah, 
the, the martyrs right. of Christ knew truths that they witnessed things with their own eyes and, and knew truths and, and were willing to die for those things. And, and that certainly did facilitate the spread of Christianity because men usually aren't willing to die for things that they believe to be untrue. So what you're saying is most American Christians don't really believe Christianity. They they go to church, but they don't really believe Jesus is going to come back. They they don't really believe in the essence of the message. No, if you threaten to take their beer and football away from them, they'd become Muslims tomorrow. <laughs> they have a tolerance for evil. Well, you know, the, there was a Russian soldier captured during the um, Second Chechen War by Muslims in Chechnya, they basically told him to recite an Islamic prayer. I think it was the um, Al-Shahada, kiss the Koran, convert to Islam, and they would spare him and let him go that minute. And they told him, if you don't do this, we will cut your head off. And he said some orthodox prayer, um, invoked the name of Jesus, and then they cut his head off. Well, there's a good man. There's a Christian, there's a Christian martyr. I imagine, though, most people, you know, Russian or American, they'd probably kiss the Koran and take the easy way out. Well, well, they don't. Most people don't take their beliefs seriously. Even identity Christians, most of them don't really take their beliefs seriously. If they did, that they would sit down and examine the differences in opinions rather than say, oh, I wish Bill and Eli didn't break up. I've heard it a million times. And those people, the, the people that wished Bill and Eli didn't break up, I don't even want those people. I don't want those people listening to me. I hope they're all listening to Eli. I don't want them because they, they, they obviously can't sit down and correctly assess the reasons and, and the arguments. They can't do it. And if well, they can't do that, they can't read their Bibles. That they just operate on emotion. Oh, he sounds good. I, I, I like him. That they pick a a, um, a a pastor like they pick a favorite football team. Right, or right. Like they it's pick like a bank. A you know, that guy sounds so nice, and he's been polite to me. I'm going to keep listening to him. Right. That's something you see well, in the not- churches is that. Uh, uh, they they don't realize that discrimination is itself Christian, and and at one time in this country, uh, you know things were good because they discriminated, but the mantra you hear in the churches now is "Don't judge, lest thou be judged also." So they had their mindset is um, in park. Uh, to not have an opinion one way or another on, on something that may be good or evil. I thought they're told, though, by the same standard you judge, you shall be judged. So if you're judging unrighteously and you're perverting justice, then you'll be judged by that standard. But if you're upright in your judgment. Well, when it comes to race, uh, the, the big bugaboo is uh, discrimination or bigotry or racism or any of these other buzzwords that they have a knee-jerk reaction to, uh, and at the same time, canceling a, a very important uh, Christian ethic. It's oh. a survival mechanism. I remember 
Paul Fromm at one of the gatherings, he mentioned that there was some pathetic Canadian soap opera he was watching one day, I think, while he was on the road traveling. So he said he was just watching the show while relaxing in the evening. And he said that there was a mixed-race couple, and a, a gay couple. They moved into a, a new area, and suddenly some horrible, heinous skinheads committed a you know, um, horrendous atrocity, spray-painted a swastika on the door of the interracial couple's house, and everybody in the town rallied together, the, the, um, the doctors, the lawyers, the policemen, the teachers, the, the fornicators, the adulterers, the drug dealers even, and the hobos that live in the alley drinking wine. And he said the message was clear, you can be a homeless drug addict or you can be a gang-banging drug dealer, but you're united in anti-racism and you're better than a white person who believes in racial purity. Now that sounds like standard propaganda where... Uh... You know, we've all heard of the rabbi that was caught spray-painting swastikas in the synagogue. Which one? That could be dozens. Well, that was my point. And, you know, most everybody in Christian identity is our law-abiding citizens. And so by the same token, uh, we uh, have these characters that that come into our fold and uh, uh, spray-paint things that uh, make us look bad. Saboteurs. Yeah, we don't need to name any names. We know who they are. <laughs> Most of them well, anyway. By their, by their fruits, we'll know them. Well, well I, I sincerely believe, I, I do sincerely believe that any time something that, that exposes the truth rises from the ashes of, of um, this Jewish-controlled society, that the ashes of what we once called academia, whenever something that exposes the truth arises, all of a sudden, 50 or 60 alternate theories of, of, of that same thing arise. And, and, and Christian identity is not immune from that. It's look at the 9-11 conspiracy theories, and, and there's all kinds of harebrained theories about um, smoke machines and, and no planes and thermonuclear missiles and, and all kinds of crazy theories which simply detract from, from the core truths that people need to understand, and, and, and that is basically who the perpetrators are and, and what their motives were for doing it. Right, like, well, the, the Kennedy assassination is classic. They want to debate for 60 years. They want to debate even today. Oh, it was the grassy knoll. It was this. It was this. You know, the driver turned around and shot him. I don't really want to talk about how the hit was pulled off. I want to talk about the motivation for killing him and who killed him. Not, you know, who pulled the trigger, but who put it together and why. Absolutely. I'm going to answer guest 25. He's not going to last long if it's guest 15 recently. <laughs> I was about to suggest that. Guest 25, hello. Let me ask you, Bill. You, you're, uh, you have the only two guests that you've had for the last year because you have open phones tonight and no other callers, and you want us to believe that you have open phones. guy. Well, well, if there were other callers who were willing to call, whether I answered them or not, they, they would be lined up here, right? And and you could see the talk shoe box as well as I can. 
So you're only kidding yourself, and, and you're only trolling me further, right? Well, Bill, you know, you, you want to make me believe that I'm trolling you for some odd reason. Can you explain to me why you use the word troll for some why reason? What did I do? What did I do? Where's your called in. I called into you like I called Sean Hannity, you know? have a question or you have something edifying to say or, or you, you have a dispute with me, why don't you just utter it? I well, asked, I, I mean, Bill, if you would give me a chance to utter it, I gave like you a chance, human being, you blew it. Bitch. If you would give me a chance to utter it well, like a human right being. Do it right now, boy. Why do you have to, why do you have to keep referring to me as being like a, a Linstead troll or something That's like stupid. that. Because but, I might have article. 15 seconds. Article means, you know. Okay, it's been 30 seconds. You're not doing it yet. You were in a rush 20 minutes ago. What's well, your you point? know, you had me unmuted, you know, like Giuliani. Yeah, like Giuliani. You know, like Giuliani used to mute me, Bill. Well, I used to trust you. You're gone. You're out of here. You, you can't. You, you got to keep running your damn mouth like a whining little sissy, and you just can't come up with a question. I just want your question, but you can't do it, you little bitch. <laughs> so you're that individual intoxicated. Come back as guest number forty-eight. You're muted again. You stupid. I, I won't go any further. I, I might spoil my reputation if I. Bill, no, that gentleman asked for a chance. I'm pretty sure you gave him. Well, that was his second chance, and he blew that one again. He's had about he five had chances. Three chances. He said he's had three chances at least. If he has a question, I just want his question. It's that simple. I'm not here to to browbeat anybody or, or to yell at people. Why, why is it so why difficult? <laughs> why is it so difficult just to spit it out? You know. He so can't. Is it a conspiracy like a that we called in? I think it is. He's a troll. I mean, he he's the typical example. He wants to call up and 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 do nothing but whine and complain and and carry on for for minute after minute and and just give me your point. Just call me, please. Call me and ask a question or, or say something edifying or say something critical. That, that's fine, but get to your point, please. I'm not going to waste my time with people that are sniveling and whining about why I run my program like I do. This isn't hard. Call well, me up. I don't, I don't remember program. this being a show about uh, defining what a troll is. You know, that was done early in the program. Well, well, no, if you're calling up to waste time, you're trolling me, period. Right. It, it, I'd, I'd rather I, I'd rather choose how I waste my time. <laughs> we all have that right. No, no, it's it's ridiculous. It's not constructive or edifying to just call in here and whine. That there's another troll on the line who who thinks he's going to get attention. I know who he is. He's left plenty of um of, of comments on, on on various places, and he's probably another Southwest Missouri sock puppet. I can't prove that offhand, but he's not going to be honored here. Well, you know, for some reason, Christian identity has always been a magnet for the lunatic fringe. 
Well, I don't know why that is, but uh, we have more than our fair share of uh, uh, these characters that uh, just want to soak up your time like a sponge. Well, they're paid to do it. You know, let, let's say you're um, you just spent three and a half years in a mental asylum for sodomizing your grandson or allegedly sodomizing your grandson. Your job prospects are pretty minimal because you're, you know, missing most of your teeth and your reputation in the local community is not all that great. And the ADL comes along and they, they, you know, they take you aside and they say, well, we'd like you to go ahead and start wrecking this movement and we're going to go ahead and send you $5,000 a month and we're going to go ahead and see that the police leave you alone and you don't go back to jail the next time you go ahead and sodomize your grandson. I mean, there's a lot of people that will jump at a deal like that. Well, well, there has to be something to it because some people have nothing better to do that, that, than to um, and, endeavor to, to discredit others and, and, well, and to make everybody else look bad. Or, or, or um, It's their agenda. They're, they're full-time paid trolls. They have to be paid, and it has to be deliberate. There's no way somebody could have 60 hours a week to troll everybody who's trying to accomplish something good. They'd starve to death. They'd make no money. They wouldn't be able to pay the bills. They'd freeze or starve. So someone's paying their bills and giving them a stipend, so they're basically paid, bought, and paid for trolls. Yeah, I read that uh, the Simon Weisenthal Center, and this was some years ago when I read this, had 75 people uh, on staff whose sole purpose was to disrupt Christian websites, especially forums and, and call-ins. So... I can only imagine what it is uh, uh, 10 years later. I'm, I'm sure they're uh, fully staffed with uh, uh, refining their arts of uh, disruption. But um, I think it's, it's maybe a little of both, you know, uh, paid disruptors and, and those that uh, have mental problems. Well, absolutely, Mark. And, and the thing is, what we have to keep in mind is that, you know, these people, they have a completely different mindset than we do. They don't have what we consider common sense because it's like, you know, their idea of being constructive is being destructive. So when, you know, when we make comments like, well, you know, we would like some constructive phone calls or, or you know, edification or, or something like that, these people can absolutely twist that in their favor. And, and, you know, I guess favor might even be the wrong word to use, but, you know, in their own eyes, in their own demented way, they are being constructive. They, they are doing what they think is right in disrupting us for whatever reason, whether it's financially motivated, whether it's, you know, what they had, you know, thought they knew from growing up. And, you know, it's kind of like the, um, the old Catholic versus Protestant uh, fights and tiffs in, in Ireland and, and elsewhere, you know, where, where mm-hmm. these nominal Christians really don't even know what in the hell they're fighting over. All they know is, is that, well, you know, these, these people don't believe the same way we do. So, you know, they're wrong, period. No, there's no research involved. There's no critical thinking. These people aren't capable of it. Well, when Christians disagree with something, they walk on, they move on. But when I see, 
But when when I see a Judeo-Christian church in session, I just walk past it. I don't walk in there in the middle of the church session and start arguing with the pastor over the nature of the Jew. Then I would be a troll. If I have a better idea, I move on. I open my own church, and if my ideas are better, and, and if it's the will of God, then I will attract more people than the Judeo-Christian church down the street. When Christians disagree with something, they move on, and they do better themselves, and, and they seek to please God rather than upsetting other people. And, and that's, that, that's a Jewish tactic. To infiltrate and divide and cause strife, that's a Jewish tactic. I'm going to answer guest 27. I have guest 15, guest 25, but we'll see if he has anything. And we'll see if he has a point to make. Guest 27, you're on. Bill, you believe in the Constitution and you don't believe in free speech. It, Basically, what? Oh, oh, oh. Guy. don't argue with me about free speech. You got free speech. Go start your own damn program. You got that? That's free. Can I ask you? Can I ask you? Uh, is uh, free speech free speech means starting our own free speech means that you have the same program? right to start your own program that I have. You have the does, same right to start your own website. Does free speech mean that Sean Hannity can, uh, you know, take? Yeah, you know, I don't care about Sean Hannity. He's a clown. Well, free speech <laughs> means. Well, here you go, Bill. Free speech. If I'm holding a Bible study in my kitchen and you don't like it, you're not free to come in my kitchen shouting free speech, free speech, and disrupt my Bible study. You're free to go hold your own damn study somewhere else. That's the point I tried to make with him. He can't even understand that simple concept. Well, either he's an idiot or he understands it and he chooses not to admit to the understanding because he has an agenda. He obviously has an agenda. He's obviously an idiot. He's both. I mean, he's <laughs> so he's pretty dangerous. Then he's an idiot with an agenda. Free speech means that we all have the ability to to set up our own talk show programs. We all have the ability to print our own newspapers. We all have the ability to write our own articles, to do our own podcasts. But I don't have the ability. Free speech doesn't give me the right to encroach upon. And, and and to force myself upon others. It just doesn't. Oh, free free speech is it is a uh it's amicable dialogue for to a degree where you know we we all in this program right now are exercising our free speech. But we are not doing it like you just said, Bill, to encroach upon one another. We're not shouting each other down. We're, we're not insisting that um, uh, you need to follow what we want you to follow or, uh, or that uh, you, know, you have to open the lines to anybody who wants to talk, okay? It, speech is not free. You know, you the people like this want to come on and 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 yell about free speech. Well, I, I'd like to see what you did to deserve that free speech. What your ancestors did to deserve the free speech. Have you, you know, do you exercise free speech um, in a, a proper Christian fashion, or is your idea of free speech 
uh, with a bullhorn shouting everybody down. Everybody knows what diarrhea of the mouth is when they hear it. Well, right. well that's, exactly. that's a Martin Lindstedt trick, right? That, that's, a, um, that, that's a Russell Walker trick, that they could come into your living room and set up their, sh- their soapbox and, and, and shout all they want. That's not free speech. That, that's not exercising free speech. Right. If you think you have better ideas than me. Well, well that's great. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, you have all the right in the world to go start your own website, start your own talk show program, um, build your own streaming radio servers, and talk all you want. Well, you know, it's like Germany in the 20s and 30s where Hitler and the NSDAP reserve a meeting hall. They're holding a meeting, and boom, in comes Ernst Thalmann with the you know, communists and the socialists to try and hijack the audience. The audience didn't come to hear Ernst Thalmann. The audience came to hear Hitler, and the only thing the communists understand is when the brown shirts beat them over the heads with clubs and throw them in the alley. Right. Well, and, and any real Christian understands that true freedom itself is only through Christ. It is, it is the brotherly love and the understanding that, you know, what we do in our actions, it's, it's not just, you know, what we do, it's what we say, um, that if we're, if we're hurting one of our brethren, we just took away their freedom. You know, that's not that there's no freedom involved in that if you're taking it away from somebody else, if you're taking it away from your brother. That's not true freedom because then you don't have the brotherly love in Christ and you don't understand. When, when all Christians follow the laws that we are given, nobody's encroaching upon one another. We are free to do whatever we want because nobody is going to be hurt damaged or injured. Well, we're going to be here another 40 minutes tonight, probably, and and I'm going to be here for two hours tomorrow night, and I invite people to call in that that have questions, that that have contentions, that, that have edification, as long as they can make their point and ask their question and not ramble on for, for 10 minutes about not liking the way I do things. I mean, that's just ridiculous but because I don't force anybody to listen to me. I don't force anybody to come to my talk shoes or read my articles or whatever, and, and, and it's absurd. You're not going to change me, but if you have a Bible question or a disagreement even and, and you want to discuss it, uh, I'm willing to discuss any, and any honest topic tonight and tomorrow night. That's what I'm doing here. It's been... A year and a half since I've had an open forum program and taken calls, and this is basically a challenge to all the idiots who do have, um, who claim to have honest questions and probably have agendas as well, and as well as the honest people who would ask. If those idiots can call up and ask an honest question, I'm not going to give trolls any, um, I'm not going to afford them much time, let's put it that way. But idiots probably can't ask honest questions. Well, well, that's the shame, right? A, a lot of people like to, like to snivel and whine and 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 backbite, and 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 they can't engage themselves in 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 honest discourse, and and that we should be able to do that as as brethren, if indeed we're brethren. 
Uh, I'm going to answer guest 29, and, and let's see what happens. Guest 29, you're on. You know, Bill, I've been the only caller outside all of your other callers. That's nice. Get to your point. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to forget everything that we said earlier, and I'm just going to go right to the point. And I'm going to go to, you know, if you're going to allow me to speak, you know. I mean, well, well get it out. Get over all the bullshit. Get over all the bullshit and just get to your damn point right now. Okay, because your listeners are going to know that you're silencing me for some reason and or other. There you, go. there you go with more bullshit. You can't get to the point, can you? You're just an idiot. No, 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 you, you are, Bill. No, you are, Bill. And just you're, get to the point. You know, you Brian, Brian, you need to grow some up. That he can't get to the point. He proves it again and again. He he just has distractions and and and, and nibbling and whining. He can't just ask his question. What was he saying? I need to grow some up. Yeah, yeah right. Well, it doesn't matter. What he has, he he doesn't have anything to say except whining. Well, he needs to he, sober he, up over again. I know who he is too. Uh, Bill, if I, could, uh, if I could share another thing I found on the uh, Christian Identity Directions forum today, uh, which I think is germane to the present uh, discussion or. Uh, subject matter. It's from Nico, our friend in England, and he started a thread uh, titled What to Reject and What to Keep. And this is what Nico said. A united church would get rid of the problem regarding false identity pastors who simply self-promote themselves and become a leader without any criteria, without any criteria. Having a minimal criteria and a set of standards would get rid of infighting and false preachers. Well, uh, well, we that and that's true, and, and I agree with that, except that we don't want to mimic the, the, the mainstream churches. We, we just don't. Do you oh, see my point? Yeah, uh, and, and that's the old saying, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> well, well, right. Uh, what we uh, don't, but we should have some sort of a approbation that we give each other because we agree to certain things, right? And, and I told you five years ago when I got out of prison and and met you on Stormfront, and, and you expected to have a lot of enmity with me, I think, but we didn't, but because I told you as long as we agreed on the race issue, the, the, the Christ issue, and the God issue, and, and the Jews and their nature, that we can't really have anything that we, we, we should be at each other's throats about. That the important core issues and the important core message of Scripture, that's where we should be focused. Yeah, we could disagree about a lot of things, but those important core issues we can't disagree about. And, yeah, and that's, that's the criteria that leads to unity and friendship. Right, it uh, is. This, this even caller we, that keeps calling in, uh, he has no criteria. He has no focus. He's just a murmurer. A absolutely. That's all he's done. I, I would like to answer this Augustus Il Duce. I, I could never say that word the, the way the Italians Augustus do. Il Duce. Thank you, but it's not me. Um, hello, Augustus. Hey, Bill. This is uh, the kid from Iowa. Okay. Um I kind of thought that, but 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 I wasn't going to jump the gun. Uh, I just wanted to know what your opinion is on uh, the eight-day festival of dedication. I've only heard Skip Baker 
discuss it. And uh... well, well, okay. Let, let me give you the rundown on that real quick. It, it's mentioned in the Gospel of John, and Christ was in the temple for the eight for the eight day festival of dedication. That that's the way the Gospel of John describes it. He wasn't necessarily in the temple for the festival, but he was in the temple during the festival, right? The, the festival of dedication was set up by the Maccabees when they celebrated the reopening of the temple after it was defiled by the Syrians about 154 B.C., right? And, and they set up that festival of dedication in order to celebrate that event, that they were happy that they, that they fixed up the temple, they had their victory over the Greek rulers of Syria, the Seleucids, and, and they got their independence and, and restored their temple. That's why the festival was set up. But it's a festival of men and, and not a festival ordained by God. And, and the temple no longer exists. So, so I don't see a reason to celebrate it, none whatsoever. All right. Well, thank you. That, that information can be found in Flavius Josephus. He, he writes about it. But, but okay. that gives me, a, that, that gives me a, an, an opportunity to talk about something else. You, you know, Christ was in the temple during the festival. That doesn't really mean that he's giving it his approval, right? But he was there. He, he wasn't railing against it either. And, and that's where, wherever our brethren congregate, yeah, you know, even and, and there's an article that I wrote, The Perennial Struggle About Christmas. It's on the front page of Christogenia right now, right? Wherever our brethren congregate, for whatever reason, that gives us an opportunity to, to witness to the truth. And, and and we should take advantage of that. All right. Ooh, guest 30 and guest 31 are on the call. Well, they both can't be that same clown, can they? Augustus, thank you for calling. And I see you joined the Christogenia Forum, and, and I hope you make a post soon. <laughs> Praise God. Well, with guests 30 and 31 on the call, one of them could be legitimate, right? One's yeah, probably that. I'm going to go with guest 31 and, and try that first. Guest 31, hello. Now, Bill, if I say short brethren, brethren doesn't sound like a queer, I'm. I'm that, that's why I that, that's why I don't buy lottery tickets. Because... <laughs> uh, so now now I'm a queer. This guy has something edifying to say, and right. he, he's had what now eight chances to get it out, and the best he could do was I'm gay. He's a total clown. He has had eight chances to just come here and 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 spit it out, and ask the question or or make your point, and all he's offered is digression. I mean, I'm sorry. Guest 30, guest 30, you're on. Hello. Hello. I just wanted to say that uh, your program uh, on Martin Luther on, uh, on the Jews, I thought, was a great program. And, yeah, I am Bruce Howard, but I'm not Martin Linstead. I repudiate that bastard. I understand that he is a child molester, and I was just calling him from Australia. And that's all I really wanted to say, that you have a great program. And uh, I, I apologize for any previous... Uh, misunderstanding we might have had. I generally side with uh, Pastor Eli, but I think you have a great Bible study, and uh, that's all, really. Well, okay. well, I don't know who you are. If we've ever had a disagreement, believe me, I, I can put that in the past, but I appreciate your calling. I'll let you go on with your show. Don't worry. All right. Thank you. 
Thank you for the call. Bye. Praise Christ. Hello, the world. Someone from Knoxville, Tennessee. East Tennessee, hello. East Tennessee hung up. I, I, I tried to answer him. He disappeared. Well, if they're legitimate, hopefully they call back. I hope they call back. Guest 31, forget it. You're done. You're toast. As soon as I hear your voice again, you're getting hung up on. You're finished. You've tried five times. All you have to do is ask your question or get to the point. You can't do it. You must be drunk. Well, I hope, the, I hope the guy, that guy's not a salesman. You know, the, the customer's ready to buy, and he just talks and talks about tangential stuff and talks himself out of a sale. Right. You gave him how many chances to get his comment out here in an intelligent fashion? And let, let me answer East Tennessee before we lose him again. East Tennessee, hello. East Tennessee. Yeah, Bill, Don here. I've heard a lot of discussion. Yes, do you have me, Bill? Yeah, you're here. Hello. Oh, okay, how you doing, Bill? Yes, do you have me, Bill? Okay. Okay, uh, I've seen a lot of discussion here. I've heard all these arguments and everything. Can you explain to me when and how far a body should go with their brother before they release them and separate for them, from them? Well, well, it depends on what they're doing. Are they violating the word of God, or are they simply doing something wrong to you? By association with uh, other Jews and people, black people. Well, well, then, then, then it, if you've warned them and 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 and, and um, brought another witness, because that's what the scripture requires to to warn him, and and he doesn't repent, then you have to separate from him. That's true. That's true. Okay, thank you, Bill. But but if he's only doing you harm, then then you should forgive him seventy seven times, right? If, if he's repentant. But then again, if he turns back around and does the same thing, we shouldn't be that repentant. I mean, shouldn't. Well, I mean. <laughs> well, look, the, the, the issue there is, you know, yeah, we, we hope as Christians that we don't make the same mistake again. And that's what asking for repentance is all about. But I think we'd all be liars if we said that, you know, 99% of the time we don't make the same mistake twice. Right, okay? right. Uh, at some point, though, let's say you have a neighbor, and every day he steals an apple from your tree, and he steals a letter from your mailbox, and at the end of every day he says he's sorry, but he does the next, you know, the next day he does the exact same thing again and again and again. At some point, it might occur to you that he's not actually sorry. Well, well right. there's a scriptural difference between the apple and the mailbox. Do you realize right. that? Right. Right. Under the law, I could eat apples from your tree as long as I don't take them off and carry them off with me. Right. right. Well, this okay. concerns an issue like uh, 
a friend of mine is also was a friend of Bill's, no names mentioned, and of course this guy has wandered off into left field with the Jews and the blacks and all this other stuff, and I just don't see any more fellowship with him, right? Well, well, you have to bring him a second witness, and, and the second witness has to testify to him what he's doing wrong, and, and if he refuses to listen, that then you should separate from his company. Yes, okay. Okay, I appreciate you guys having a good show. Thank you, Bill. You're, you're referring to gleaning, right? Like walking past an orchard and you pluck one apple and eat it versus you pull up with a truck and you fill the bed with apples. Right. Yeah, well, can we speak freely here? Yeah, well, that's what it's for as long as you Yeah, uh, I'm speaking about John Friend. He used to be my friend, too, Bill. You know what I'm saying? Well, well you know, um, I, I really like John Friend as a person. I, I did. He's a nice guy. He seemed to be inquisitive, but, but he can't repent of his race mixing. And he, he refuses to do so, and it's unfortunate. And what's more unfortunate is that after his um, discourse with Mike Delaney last week and, and Scott Roberts, now I, didn't, I only listened to the first hour of it, and I've already been accused of cheerleading Mike Delaney. Well, well let, let me respond to that. I didn't cheerlead anybody in, in that forum. I just listened. I don't know enough about 9-11, and, and that's why I leave that to people like Mike Delaney. But I trust Mike, and, and I trust his judgment. His work in that it is some of the um, some of the best early work, his 9-11 Missing Links movie, and um, a lot of the things that, that John Friend was purporting, I, I know are, are absolutely fantastic, and I I made some input into the chat room that night, but it was neither in direct support of Mike Delaney, nor was it in direct refutation or in direct reproach to John Friend. And yet John Friend um, has cut communications, apparently, with everybody who... who um, who associates with Mike Delaney. So, so I think that's, um, that, that's very unfortunate. However, if John Friend continues to work with Negroes and Jews, as he has been doing, that, then he's no friend to white nationalists in the first place. And, and, and I, um, I did four programs with him, and I don't regret doing them, and I think they were very edifying and, and, and um, programs. They were very good programs. I, I'm, I'm gonna, they're going to remain posted on Christianity.org, and, and I'm proud of those programs. I'm proud of all my work. Well, well not really, but I, I'm happy with all my work. Let's put it that way, and I'm happy with those programs. But I can't work with John Friend again as long as he continues to remain with Negroes and Jews. I can't do that. To me, he's taken – he was on a path to the truth, and, and I was hoping that he would repent of his race mixing, and he's taken a sharp left turn down a slippery slope that leads to hell. And, and he's part of the reason why I wrote The Tolerance of Evil. So, right. so what I have to say about John Friend, it's the, the man was on the right path, and and he jumped the tracks and and now he's about to get run over by the train. That, that's right. the way. Right. Well, that's the reason I, like I said, I broke off friendship with him. I wrote him a letter and everything, and I made it pretty plain that uh, you know a man can't, you know, can't wander off track that far, especially if it's the enemies of Yahweh. Absolutely. Well, well, Don, thank you for calling. Thank and, you, Bill. Y'all have a good time. And that interesting, this comes up. Remember when? He first invited me to do a show with him, 
And I said I, I wasn't exactly comfortable doing a show with somebody who was a race mixer, and you said we had to give him a chance to repent. And I thought, okay, that's fair enough. So I went ahead and I did some shows with him, and I think they were productive shows. And I was hoping he would come around and learn more of the truth, accept more of the truth, and get out from that lifestyle. Well, well uh, right. That, that's it. When somebody comes to this truth, there's a lot of people that are caught up in the world that, that have sinned. And, and we've all sinned. None of us can claim to be free from sin. The, he who says that he, he's free of sin makes God a liar, as the Apostle John tells us in his first epistle. We have all sinned. We have all been caught up in the world and, and the sins of the world at one time. And when somebody from the world comes into to Christian identity truths, well, we can't expect them to, to change their lives, to have that epiphany which compels them to change their lives overnight. And we have to give them room to correct and to, to, to atone for and... and, and repair the, the mistakes that they've made in the world and, and, and to straighten their lives out. And that takes time sometimes. So, uh, I mean, six months, nine months, a year it is, in some instances, more than fair time. But sometimes that much time is necessary, especially when a man's married to a damn Filipino. And, and, and you, 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 you have to hope that he comes to the truth and puts that strange wife away, which is what the Scripture requires of those who who, who come to the truth of Christ. Right, and, and if I'm not mistaken, um, Nezrin, um, Ezra and Nehemiah, they told the um, men of Israel to put their strange wives away. They didn't just cut off the strange men and wander off on their own. Oh, right. Put and the their children. Put and the their children. Away, right. And those who were born of them. Right. But they were given the so, chance to do it. They weren't just cast out. Well, well, right, and and for that reason, men in John Friend's position, I feel compelled to accept and to witness the truth to them and to give them time for, for the impact of that truth to absorb and, and for them to put it into effect in their lives. If they refuse to do that, then we can no longer keep company with them. That there, It has to come to a point where, hey, well, when are you going to... To, to poop or get off the proverbial pot, right, and, and put your faith into action if indeed this is your faith. And if they don't, then we have to separate themselves from them. So, so it, it, it's probably for the better that, that um, John Friend has separated himself from us because he can't be one of us as long as he stays with one foot in his past life and, and in those sins. He cannot be a white nationalist leader. He's well, just kidding himself. What was it Elijah said, how long will you be torn in two directions, either God is God or Baal is God? Well, let's see how long Guest 32 can stay on the call. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Guest 32. Well, let me guess there. No, same guy. Right? <laughs> Out of pants. Forget it, Get 32. You've had your three strikes and three more. You're out. It, it's a damn shame. It it's, um has to be that way, but he was going to go on whining and calling Brian queer. <laughs> uh, he might have had some witty insult for me, though. Now I'll never know what it was. No, uh, I'm sure you'll just lay up all night thinking. <laughs> Uh, well, witty, I don't know about. Insult, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, good point. 
<laughs> well, well, we can't embrace Christian identity and embrace Negroes and Jews, and and that's the point of of my tolerance of evil. It, it's it's not really an essay; it's more like a a, a short rant. Um, that's the point of that editorial that that we can't do this. We can't accept Nathaniel Kapner. We can't accept Eli James. We can't accept. Um, what, what, who's that Negro that likes to call um, Obama a long-legged Mac Daddy? What's that Negro's name? I, I can't remember. Pastor Manning? Uh, yeah, yeah, Manning. And I've gotten so many emails from so-called white nationalists, and, and they're links to these Pastor Manning videos on YouTube. I want to puke. Why the hell are they listening to this nigger? Well, what? he's an it. He's an interesting guy, but he's not a, He's not of the covenant. He's not one of us. We shouldn't be promoting him. There are no good Negroes. If you want to be a good Negro, fine. You go into the ghetto in Detroit and have those niggers rebuild that city that they destroyed. If they could do that, then maybe they could show that they're worthy of something. But of course they can't do that. They can't do good. So we shouldn't accept the few of them... That, that escape the gutter and, 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 and come into white society running their mouths, if they wanted to do good, they'd be fixing the 99% of niggers that are looting and pillaging and destroying white society. Or they'd be paying them to get sterilized. <laughs> well, well and, and to me, um, I just, it is almost beyond me how these people can call themselves white nationalists and still involve themselves with the niggers and the Jews and, and everyone else, but yet, you know, still how they can possibly purport to be part of white nationalism, period. I, I, I mean, just the, the title alone, white nationalist, I don't see where there is any room for, for blacks, Jews, freaking squat monsters, anybody else. Why, why would they even involve themselves with them? And when I first came to Christian identity, when, when I first came to Christian identity, I thought for sure, I'm like, wow, the whole, you know, the white nationalist movement should know about Christian identity and we'll have a whole bunch of people jumping on board. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, they're, they're just as bad, if not worse, than Judeo-Christians. Well, a lot of them are worse than Judeo-Christians. You know, the problem I'm, I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the problem with white nationalism is that it's secular. It, it has no um, loyalty to, to Christianity. And, and uh, secular humanism is, is basically just uh, situational ethics, which is basically Judaism. It, it's so Judaism. It shouldn't surprise us that it, it's a godless movement uh that um, uh, is preoccupied with multiculturalism uh and relinquishes themselves to participating in it as if they have to but you know i was, I was thinking that um uh every white person according to the new covenant has the law written in their heart and their mind and I can see where we should have some compassion for our own people because from cradle to grave, they, they've been brainwashed uh, 
um, a type of mind control, if you will, uh, to be a part of this this Babylonian-type thinking. Uh, And and when Christian identity comes along, they kind of pop that bubble for a moment, and they come out of their dormancy, and and, uh, uh, it's an awakening. Uh, But but when they go back (laughs) to their their old thinking, uh, it's like a dog returning to his vomit, so to speak. You know, white nationalism, it's it's a two-edged sword because in, in my own experience, in, in um, 12 years of prison and, and dealing with white with whites one-on-one, I had a lot more success in, in um, what winning students, uh, I'll call them students, I won't call them converts, and, and many of them were really good students, in, in winning students to the Christian identity message with whites that that were not Judeo-Christians that didn't go to church, that that were turned off and and yet had a racial awareness, which is the type of whites that we hope to find in white nationalism, where I had very little success with Judeo-Christians who enjoyed going to, to the chapel on Sundays and singing Kumbaya and holding hands with, with, with squat monsters and Negroes. And, and, and those guys were very self-justified and self-righteous and, and didn't really want to hear the truth of the scripture, that they only wanted to hear what their pastor said. So, so I, I, I had, even though true white nationalism, true white nationalism is Christian because all whites are going to be Christians if they're really white. Whether they like the idea or not, in, in the end, they're going to be Christians. There's no doubt. But, but true white nationalism can't be separated from our God and our Creator. And secular white nationalism basically cannot survive because it has no moral foundation upon which to justify It's white nationalism, and that's why, I believe, you see so much relativism in Stormfront. Because second white nationalism doesn't work, and it can't survive. Well, you know, for fear of the Jews, none dare call it national socialism, which was a euphemism uh, for positive Christianity. Right. Right. Well, my... My understanding of white nationalism, you know, was that it was, to me, it was almost like the polar opposite of Christian identity um, in, in the racial spectrum where the beliefs of white nationalism and, and white separatism came from hate and the understanding of Christian identity came from love. Now, you know, I... On the you know on the face of it you would you would think that yeah it would be then tough just under that auspice to to supposedly convert a white nationalist to Christian identity but when when you think about it um, you know there it's not too much different but that's where you know where I was totally wrong that that may have been at one time what it meant to be a white nationalist that you're that you were driven by hatred of the other races even though you may not have understood why you hated them 
but I don't think that mentality really even exists within white nationalism anymore. It's almost like it's some, you know, some cool fraternity for a bunch of ex-thugs to get together and make claims, oh, yeah, well, we hate niggers and we hate Jews, except when they give us money or they do things for us. Yeah, it has nothing to show for itself. No, absolutely nothing. Well, well now, that's white prison gang mentality. That, that's, uh, I mean, from one perspective, I mean, that might be your, your observation for, from where you stand. Uh, and, and I'm certain that, um, that, that it works in a lot of cases, that it's probably an accurate description. It, it's not true in all cases because that there are different bases for white nationalism in different places and, and at different levels of, of society. It, it's... Um, uh, the way I see it, Don Black and, and David Duke and clowns like that, and, and yeah, I'll call them a clown, that they have relativized what is white, and, and, and they have led white nationalists to accept that the... Um, the one-eighth, the, the one-sixteenth. Well, well, the other races as a whole, as, as an alternative, as a viable alternative, and, and, and are willing to... Um, embrace them and work with them and, and coexist with them. And those men are, are just absolutely blind to history that we cannot coexist. We cannot live at peace and coexist with, with these Arab bastards and, and, and with these people of other races. It's either we, we, we absolutely dominate them and drive them in, into the jungles and, and hell holes that they came out of, or we end up mixing with them and, and, and bastardize ourselves. That there's no compromise. God, that there's no room for compromise for that type of compromise in the Word of God, and, and there's no example of that type of compromise ever being beneficial to our existence in history. And they're basically buying into Don Black and David Duke and, and clowns like that had basically bought into the same damned egalitarian uh, uh, um, paradise pipe dreams that the Jews offer. Under white nationalism uh, run by Duke and Black, um, it's the big tent philosophy. And that means uh, anybody and everybody is welcome. Uh, it's a numbers game. It's a, a popularity contest. And um, I'm sure, uh, like our caller tonight, number 30, 31, 25, uh, would be more than welcome to uh, uh, pass on his drivel uh, endlessly. And there's plenty of people like that there because I was there for years and recently got banned because I criticized the Big Ten philosophy too much. But um, if he constantly allows people to post that Jesus was a Jew, then he is doing a disservice to the white race. And we come to that point where it is white nationalism under the, the Duke regime versus Christian identity, and we're the ones that are going to prevail in the end. Well, well, we're certainly going to prevail in the end, not, not only because we have God on our side, but because we have a moral foundation and, and a solid, firm um, faith and, and conviction 
as to why we must be Christians and um, 100% pro-white and anti-everything else in, in the first place. That they don't. Well, when you take God and, and Christ out of, um, out of anything that's pro-white, it, it no longer has a moral foundation. In, in, in other words, I believe that I should be separate and my race should be separate because my race was created by God and he commands me to be separate. So, so it's it, it it's a much stronger and, and much more um, solidly founded faith that, than just simple relativistic white nationalist um, professions, which really have no moral foundation. Except the Lord build the house; they labor in vain. Exactly. Well, well, and that's why I kind of made the blanket statement that I did, and and that was and, and that was also from the you know kind of the amateur point of view in which you know I wasn't really aware of you know what white nationalism really was or anything because coming into to Christian identity like I did, you know I I, um, I wasn't. You know, I, I did my best not to be racist. You know, I was raised very universally. Um, but then, you know, just when, when you look at it from even just the, the, the general public perspective of what white nationalism is, and that's why I, I made that blanket statement that I did, you can, it, it can still be looked at in that fashion, in that because they are basing their separatism upon hate, it's simply hatred of the other races, right? There is no moral basis for what they are doing. There is nothing that literally ties these people together and, and ties their agenda together. They will find themselves, you know, infighting and squabbling and, and having a power struggle and it's, you know, anybody who, who goes to the, the Stormfront or BNN and stuff like that, that's, that's exactly what you got. It's constant infighting. It's constant squabbling because there is no moral basis. They can't even, these people can't even truly explain why they believe what they believe. You know, sure, they'll spew a, a few things out there, but it, it's more... Uh, along the lines of, of their own mantra, and it has nothing to do with actual nature, nature's law, and God's law. We used well, to have this well, guy in our church. Real quick, I, I'm sorry, Mark. Let, let me try guest 34 real quick. I know I'm going to hang right up on him. <laughs> it, it may be somebody different. Somehow I doubt it. Guest 34, let's go. I just love Mark. Okay. <laughs> he got three and a half. Out there loves me. I'm so slow. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I just wanted to mention anecdotally that uh, we used to have this guy in our church, and he was just uh, learning Christian identity, and, and he was trying to explain it uh, at his workplace. And he was telling one of his fellow workers, we don't hate niggers. <laughs> we always laughed at that one. That's too good. 
sterile practice. I think hate has gotten a bad rap these days, you know. I mean, for crying out loud, Ecclesiastical 3 says there's a time for love, and there's a time for hate. All it means is being opposed to something. Well, 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 look look at what niggers have done to Detroit, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, um, Newark. You look at Cleveland, St. Louis. Gary, Indiana, uh, uh, Cleveland, Youngstown. Look, look, niggers did that. Uh, I mean, when Irishmen lived in the inner city and and when Italians lived in the inner cities and, and... well, when Englishmen lived in the cities before they all fled to the suburbs because niggers took over the cities, that even if they were poor, that there was very little crime relatively, and and, and the cities were intact. But the cities they were grew. intact. The cities grew, grew. right? But the cities were, were were on the grow in a growth pattern. And urban blight did not come to our cities until Negroes came to our cities. And and they've destroyed all the cities of the north. Now, now there were very few Negroes in the north before the mass exoduses from, from the south in in the 1950s and 60s. And and the, the the Negro numbers in the north just ballooned under the Great Society and and the welfare programs that accompanied the the um, mass migrations of Negroes to the north. And all they've done is destroy every northern city. And I'm not saying the Yankees don't deserve it, believe me. And that that they bought they bought the tickets to to the destruction of their cities. There's no doubt. But but all of these cities have been destroyed, and and they're all hell holes. And 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 you can't walk the streets at night. And and basically, by their fruits you know them. That there's no doubt. And and that's how wherever blacks go, they bring Africa. And the only reason why they didn't destroy the South any quicker than they did is because most Southern white men had guns and would stand by them. They but, turned uh, South Africa into the murder capital of the world, and we're not that far behind with uh, a, a dramatic increase of black-on-white crime. Well, well somebody, sent me, somebody sent me a series of, of photographs, which I kind of appreciate. Uh, I'm thinking when, when I get the time, hopefully maybe over the weekend or, or middle of next week, uh, I can post them all. They're all photographs of American cities from, from the 1910 to perhaps 1914-15 in, in that period. And um, I, I would like to, if I can, look up on, on Google um, maybe Google Street View or something like that, and, and get photographs from a close perspective of the same streets as they appear today. And, and it, it's I know because I know that the pictures and the areas they were taken that that it will be it, it'll look like they were all war zones compared to the way they looked in 1910. Well, well here you go, Bill. You look at a picture of. Nagasaki in 1945 and Detroit in 1945 and then you look at Detroit today and Nagasaki today and keep in mind one of those cities was hit with a nuclear device one was hit with you know half a million blacks well which one is doing better today 
Georgia White Farmer said in the chat that we in the South wish we could send all the niggers to the North. Uh, I can't <laughs> blame them. Uh, I mean, I'm a Yankee, but 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 um, I know those Northern white liberals that they didn't have a taste of what the Negroes were like. Invited them all up north and and encouraged them to settle in diverse places. Well, when you say invited them, I mean, how do you keep them from moving up north? You don't. You can't really just build a wall and stop them at the Tennessee well, well, Kentucky no, line. Was, there was um, in, in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s that there were active campaigns on the part of many cities to attract um, Negroes from the South in, in order to um, build a cheap labor pool, right? For the same reason that, that the corporations um, allow us to be flooded with Mexicans today. And, and the cheap labor pool didn't work out too well for them because they didn't realize that niggers don't work unless they're under the whip. And if they could choose, if they have a welfare option, they sure as hell aren't going to work because they'd rather sit around and drink Colt 45 uh, out of um, brown paper brown paper bags on a street corner if they have Whitey paying for it. So, so that there was an active campaign, and, and Detroit got just what it bought. That they bought the tickets to their own destruction. Well, when they invited um, thousands of Negroes to, to um, come to Detroit and, and attracted them. Cities in the North attracted Negroes purposely with, with high welfare payments and, and things like that. And, and they got what they paid for. When we have aliens ruling over us, um, you can count on divine judgment. Well, well absolutely. Amen. So, so now all the all those cities that that um that that purposely attracted Negroes in large numbers Detroit Chicago Atlantic City New Jersey Newark New Jersey and, and they got, that they all got just what they paid for. What's the bill? What's the worst city in New Jersey? Camden. Yeah, Camden's probably a good candidate. Good night, what? General. Thinking about this, you know, all of our traditionally great cities, you know, Philadelphia, the basically the founding city of our great nation, of our republic, and Cleveland and Detroit, the centers of industry and innovation in the 1910s and 20s, all of these cities today are unlivable, uninhabitable slums, and people complain that the American life, I see people in Europe, even nationalists, complain that the American model of living 30 miles away from your job in the city in a suburb and driving, you know, to work 30 miles there, 30 miles back and using four gallons of gas a day is not sustainable and that Americans need to rediscover the city. Well, no self-respecting white man wants to live in Cleveland and, you know, walk a mile to work or half a mile to work. And in the meanwhile, his family's getting raped in a, during a home invasion while he's gone. You, you can't live in the city. We're paying for cities, but we can't live in them. Well, well, now, now, now that all the Negroes are being pushed out of the cities into the suburbs, pretty soon you won't be able to live in the suburbs. Uh, I think I wrote an article a few months ago, No Safe Haven. It's true. So what's the answer? Move to Siberia? Well, well the, the, the answer is arise, Zion, and thresh. And, and I'm afraid that's not going to happen un, until Yahweh our God chooses when it should happen. And, even if you move to Siberia, they're going to flood it with Turks, Chinamen, and Arabs. Maybe it's when the tolerance will become so intolerable. 
well, can't we all just get along? Can't they just all go back to where they came from? Right, well, it's not going to happen. Okay, I'm going to cut this here, and, and thank you, gentlemen, for, for being here. And otherwise, I'd have nothing but guests 25, 27, 31, and 34 to talk to. Um, that probably wouldn't work out too well. Uh, I'm going to invite everybody back tomorrow night. Uh, I want to do this one more night. That was the plan. And um, hope that pe different people call in with honest questions and, and discourse. But whether they're pro or con, please... Call in and make your point. I, I don't want to hear whining for 10 minutes about why I, I, I don't run a good program or, or, or whining about how I run the program. <laughs> and so if I pick up your phone call, you, you should just make your point. Get the guy point. that thinks you don't understand the First Amendment and I'm gay, does he get another chance tomorrow or has he used up all his chances for the year? <laughs> He has used up all his chances, plus some. And, and I know who he is. He, 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 um, I, I hear from his dumbass in emails every now and then. And um, yet usually his emails are just as bad as his discourse here. And 99% of the time they get ignored. Every once in a while I answer one, and, and then he's like the dog that won't let go of your ankle, right? He, he thinks he's going to get attention. He's, his tactics are, are um, not worthy of attention at all. What's the saying? Right. Don't feed the trolls? Right. Well, well, right. right, but I, I try to hold out hope for everybody, even <laughs> like that, but that, that's... um. I don't know. Maybe it's my Christian duty, or maybe it's my own naive stupidity. I haven't, I haven't made my mind up yet. Well, that's a real discernment: is knowing when uh, not to cast your pearls before swine. I guess. Well, well, absolutely. Correct. Thank you, everybody, and praise Yahweh, and good night. Thanks, Bill. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.